The Stompers trying to go wire to wire here in the Pacific Association for the first half title. It's two and two to Ayano. Swing and a bouncer to short. This could do it. Mochizuki has it. The throw to first in time. And that is a first half championship for the Sonoma Stompers as they clinch a title. And they have guaranteed themselves at the very least a spot in the Pacific Association Championship Series at the end of the season. And if not, with a win in the second half, they will clinch the championship overall. Good morning, and welcome to episode 703 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Yo. Apologize for the subpar audio quality today. We have a next-door neighbor. I have a next-door neighbor who starts his leaf blower every time we try to record a podcast. And I'm in an echoey room, but it's a podcast. You wanted us to do a podcast, so here's one. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I know exactly how you are. Yeah, we're... <laughs> we're a few rooms apart. You know that that was a lie. You know that I just told a lie. Yeah, you, you really did. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't even had coffee yet or food and you just woke up after a late night. So you're not doing that well. But the Stompers clinched the first half of the season yesterday, and you're happy about that. I am happy about that. All right. Anything to talk about, as if we've been paying attention to Major League Baseball? I want to just say two things. Okay. One one is that it was pointed out to us, and I don't know if this point has been made everywhere in the world, and so this will be a lame point to make, but uh, it was pointed out that when we were talking about the uh, likelihood of a MLB conspiracy uh, on all-star voting, as you, re- you recall, we talked about that, mm-hmm. uh, in which it was uh, in which it was uh, wondered whether MLB took action to undo the Royalsification of the all-star team, uh, and then extended to the question, the much more fanciful question of whether it was conceivable that they doctored the Royals. Uh, in the first place so as to encourage participation and awareness of all-star voting, a conspiracy that we don't actually agree, uh, uh, that we don't actually believe in, but that we talked about for the sake of uh, discussing a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody pointed out that it seems almost impossible that MLB would have done that because there are so many players with these bonuses in their contracts for all-star appearances, and if MLB were caught... Uh, tampering with something that would affect their pay, that would be a serious legal issue that they would absolutely not want to be involved in. So it is not merely the matter of whether being caught would create appearances of a game show rigging type scandal or not, but um, whether, I mean, you know, whether Omar Infante would sue them. Yeah, right. Omar Infante had a lot of money riding on making the All-Star game, which he didn't, unfortunately for him. But the Royals as a whole had a lot of money riding on it because of arbitration guys who would probably get more money if they had had All-Star games in their resume and other guys with incentive clauses and everything. So, yeah, a substantial amount of money was riding on who made the All-Star team. Second thing about the All-Star game, 
uh, Robin Ventura was apparently like uh, lobbying or something for Chris Sale not to pitch mm-hmm. because he preferred that Chris Sale get rest. Yes, and it takes a like a lot of a lot of chutzpah for Robin Ventura to say the thing that everybody wants. Like who <laughs> who doesn't want their players to get rest? I mean, we we have this shared sacrifice that all the teams in the league have to do in order to put together this big jewel of an event. And so Ventura seems like he just, I don't know. It's like, he seems like maybe he's the first person who ever had this idea in his mind. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd like my guy to get rest. Uh, I wonder why nobody's thought of this before. And um, so I just wanted to know whether you think that uh, it will be, I mean, we've already lost the Sunday starters. Mm-hmm. To uh, to the uh, to the need for rest. That's the way to do it. Do what Matt Williams did and yeah. start Max Scherzer the day before the All Star break, so that he is ineligible to pitch. Exactly. You should because you get to, especially if well, let's see. Now that there's an extra day, you get to restart your rotation anyway. And so, say Max Scherzer was going to pitch on really any day, Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, any of those days, you just bump him down to Sunday, you don't lose anything because you can have him start the first day back anyway. He's only going to get one start, basically, before his next turn in the rotation comes up. Mm-hmm. So really, everybody should do this. You should just, The last turn through your rotation. Yeah, and yeah. Ned Yost evidently has talked Robin Ventura into letting yes. him use Chris Sale. But yeah. it is, uh, it's maybe, I mean, everyone is thinking it, or at least every manager is thinking it, but maybe by being the one guy who says it, you actually put some pressure on for a, a division rival. You, If a division rival is managing the team, then maybe he'll be especially sensitive about how he uses those players so that he's not perceived as doing something to hurt them competitively. So if you really are serious about it and you want your presumptive Cy Young winner not to have to risk injury, then you might as well say it. Unless, I'm assuming... Chris Sale is not like, it's not a lifelong dream to pitch in this game. Like maybe Ventura talked to him beforehand to see if it was, because if it is, if it's like the player really, really, really wants to do it, then it's probably worth the risk just to make your player happy. But otherwise, if your player doesn't really care and wants the break, then I would want the break. Uh, So given, I don't know, given that we're everything is much more serious now than baseball used to be. I mean, the All-Star Game was created at a time when everything was fairly lax and these guys didn't have super, super regimented training schedules and they didn't push themselves to the very, 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 very brink of what their bodies were capable of. And uh, we didn't really care about innings limits or anything like that. And they were, um, you know, they weren't, they weren't big deals quite so much when the All-Star Game was started. And it has persisted for you know 80 years but it is also in in some ways the way that it's executed is a remnant of a simpler time given ventura's uh you know the ventura precedent and the sunday starter precedent and just the fact that teams more and more are looking for um any you know any way that they can squeeze an extra run or not lose an extra run is it your opinion that in 20 years the All-Star Game will be a game in the middle of the season uh, that players have to participate in. I still think it will be. There's a lot of weight of tradition in the All-Star Game. 
and you can just keep watering down the quality of the All-Star team. Maybe that's what will happen because it's, what, 76 players are All-Stars this year one way or another, whether they were initially chosen or whether they're the backups or they're the backups to the backups or whatever. So eventually you get down to a level where it doesn't even matter anymore. You're not even really that worried about the risk because these are no longer Chris Sale and Max Scherzer. They're some some guy. They're DJ LeMahieu or something. So that's uh, maybe that will happen, which would make the All-Star game even less compelling than it already is, which is pretty uncompelling because we get to see these players any time we want, at any time of day, wherever they are in the country, and the way that they're used in the game is pretty uncompelling where they're there for an inning or two and then there's someone else and you can't even keep track of who's in the game. So I would expect that it would continue to become less and less must-see TV, but I think it'll still exist. Okay. If they just cut the season down, this would be a to you know to 120 games like I'd like. Uh-huh. This would, this would be another benefit. You could do a whole week, if yeah. you, uh, and have like lots of padding, so everybody gets a break. You could have four All Star games. Mm-hmm. Sure. You can make the whole. So what if they made the whole season the All Star game, Ben? Wow. Then nobody could complain. This should have been a podcast topic. All right. Okay. So the actual podcast topic is the Oakland A's who have been a podcast topic before for different reasons. And this time last year, the A's were winning at a, at a historic rate or, or scoring, outscoring the competition, at least, at a very unusual rate. I don't remember what their run differential was at this time, but it was like plus triple digits, I think. It was huge. And then they cooled off down the stretch, but... That was the A's story this year and last year, and this year it's the opposite story. They are 41 and 50. They are eight games out in the wild card race, eight and a half games out in AL West, and they are just a total either fluky or terrible luck or bad roster construction. We could talk about what it is, but whatever it is, they are very dramatically underperforming. They're underlying numbers, how good we think they should be, their baseball prospectus adjusted standings third order record is a real outlier. They are 11 games below where they should be according to the third order record, and the same with base runs or whatever sort of uh, estimator that you want to look at based on runs scored and allowed and quality of competition and all those things. They should be good. They do not have a good record. And they have an 8-22 and 22 record in one-run games, which is awful. So they are the inverse of the 2012 Orioles or the 2007 Diamondbacks or whatever weird team managed to outperform its run scored and allowed. They are the opposite of that. 2014 and, Royals. Sure. Them is, too. Oh, okay. Can I, can I just, to put it in perspective? Yeah. 11 games, just so that people know, the by third order winning percentage, they are the second best team in the American League, and they're essentially the Cardinals. They're more or less tied with you know the Cardinals for the roughly third best third order winning percentage in baseball. So think about the Cardinals, think about all the feelings you have with the Cardinals, and just imagine feeling those feelings for the Oakland A's of 2015. Like it is 
It is a scenario that exists somewhere in the universe. There is a. Wow. They didn't a, hack anyone, as far there, as we know. There is a little version. There is a version of you in a uh, in a multiverse planet far, far away that is cheering this amazing Oakland A's run this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And I I get tweets periodically from the the type of people who file away what baseball writers write about their team in the spring or off season or whatever, and then check back in with them when they got something wrong months later. Wow. Like delightful people. And because uh, we talked about the A's moves over the off season, I wrote some stuff about them, particularly the Josh Donaldson trade, which I thought was not terrible. Like it sort of made sense. And so now in a way it looks terrible in retrospect in that Donaldson is really good. I mean, he was really good before. He is still really good. And the A's are terrible now, and therefore the move was terrible, is a easy conclusion to make. It's a little more nuanced than that, in that, you know, Brett Laurie has been kind of career average Brett Laurie, except he's actually been healthy. And he started terribly, and he's been much better after that. So he's been okay. And then the other guys that they got... Kendall Graveman has been in the rotation all year and just kind of eating up innings fairly effectively. And Sean Nolan is pitching well in AAA, and Franklin Barreto is hitting well in high A. So if the A's were whatever their third-order record says they should be right now, then you might have a totally different interpretation of that trade. I mean, Donaldson would still be great for the Blue Jays, but... You could say, well, the A's made that move, and yet they're still winning a ton, and now they've got all these young guys, and you could put a positive spin on the trade. So I don't, I'm not as interested in rehashing the offseason moves as I am in talking about what they should do now, what you would do now if you are Billy Bean and his front office, and they are probably having this conversation themselves, perhaps as we speak. It's the all-star break. It's a time to take stock of what you think your team is and what your strategy at the trade deadline is going to be. And the A's, of course, are always active on the trade deadline, and they've got guys who would be prime trade targets, Ben Zobris, Scott Kazmir, and they could... It's hard to even classify what Billy Bean ever does, selling or buying or both at the same time, but they could kind of punt on the second half and retool for next year or they could go for it because of the strength of the underlying numbers the fact that their deficit is still single digits it's not totally insurmountable and the teams ahead of them are not powerhouses by any means the angels have been better lately they have now taken over first place but the astros have slumped quite a bit lately so not not unbeatable teams ahead of them, strong team quality, and either they've been getting extremely unlucky unlucky with the one-run record, or they've had a bad bullpen, which they sort of had, but they had a great bullpen last year, so maybe their bullpen will bounce back, or maybe it's easy to fix a bullpen at the trade deadline. So what do you do? Do you just give up? It's It has to be a hard thing to give up and accept that you're kicking the can down the road another year when a lot of things are telling you that you built a good team that deserves to win right now, and it's hard to give up on that, I would think. You meant the 2012 Orioles. Yeah, did I not say that? Well, that's I, you what might, I meant. 
I thought you said the 2012 Royals, and so I was correcting the year. But uh-huh. in fact, I should have been correcting the team, unless I misheard, because those two those words sound almost the same. They do. I was thinking Orioles. I don't know what I said. Do you, let me ask you just before we get into that. 11 games worse than Pythag last year. Nine games worse than Pythag this year. Yeah. Those are those are two those are two like once in a decade kind of outliers that we've seen back to back by the same team, mm-hmm. generally the same roster. Not uh, not the exact same roster, but so much of the same roster. How how convinced? I don't know how. What would it have to? What would it take to convince you that this is just a skill that they don't have? Like another year, if they played out this year and got to 16 games under, would that do it? Yeah. I mean, this I... was also, by the way, this is also uh, the same, you know, much of the same roster that had that incredible, what did they have? Didn't they win like 16 extra inning games or something like that? What, didn't they have a thing? Yeah, right. It... All the pies in the faces. Uh-huh. And... Yeah, it just it fluctuates so much from year to year, and there are little clusters that seem like they might mean something like yeah. the, the angels for all those years seem to beat their run scored and allowed and the Orioles of the last few years have seemed to do that at times but then there are years like even in the middle of those stretches there are years where that doesn't happen so I don't know what it means when it doesn't have like maybe maybe they did have the skill but they actually got unlucky that year or something and yeah. and so it didn't show up but it would have been even worse if they didn't have their special skill so i don't i don't know i don't know what it would be because last year they had a really good bullpen which is typically the culprit for one run losses other than luck and this year they don't and i i don't know what would it be lack of clutchness I don't know. I'm I I'm mostly just want a number. Uh, yeah. Like like what? I just want to know what it would take. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I mean, I I don't think it could happen this year that I would buy it. Maybe a third year right. of of as extreme numbers. Okay. All right. So your question was, should they trade Ben Zobris? This is like the equivalent of the Clayton Kershaw Tim Lincecum thing, right? We knew that Kershaw yeah. was significantly better than Lincecum and had probably been getting unlucky as well as maybe underperforming a little bit his true talent mm-hmm. we knew that tim lincecum was way worse than kershaw but had been maybe getting lucky and maybe overperforming his talent and it was just a matter of how long it would take for that to uh, erase the sizable gap in their uh, in their actual performance and this we talked about those guys like i don't know like eight starts into the season there was time much time the a's don't have nearly the time to mm-hmm. do this, and they're uh, half the season's done, more than half the season's done. I mean, you have to give up, right? You can't, you can't just complain. Well, mm-hmm. you can. You no, that is what you you have to only just complain. You can't let it affect you. I mean, they're not. Do they have? What are their playoff odds? Do they have playoff odds right now? They do. It's seven uh, percent. They're just behind the Rangers and the Mariners. And about tied with the White Sox, and uh, those are the odds of a wild card or division. Mm-hmm. Most of that comes in the form of a wild card. Hmm. So, are you asking if the White Sox should be buyers or sellers right now? Uh, well, I wasn't asking. I was assuming until recently the White Sox have had a really good run lately, and I'm, I would not change my opinion on that probably. 
but but they're way they're way behind, right? They have the same playoff odds that the A's do. I mean, basically, it's yeah. a point a point one percentage point of difference. Huh. Are the are we asking if the Red Sox should be buyers or sellers? Uh, I don't. I haven't written the Red Sox off. I don't know. I'm, some people probably have, but I'm still sort of buying. They have basically twice the playoff odds. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. Who's a good team for me to? Uh, well, are we asking if the Rangers are buyers or sellers? Yeah, I think that has really? been asked. Really? I mean, I I what? wrote about These not are thinking. All sellers. I, I just... wrote about not thinking that that they were a real contender, but I. And they had like the I don't know they had the best record in the league over a month or so at some point and there was some some buzz building. I would not ask that about them. I would ask it about the Red Sox though. Okay, and the Mariners. See these are <laughs> these are all that, maybe my answer is is so obvious because these all seem obvious. These all seem like sellers. Uh, I don't know the Mariners. I thought they would win that division. I I, I know, but it's not it's not then. Right, I know, but. Man, I don't, I don't know. Wow, don't know. really, the Mariners. I, the thing is, here's the twist: uh-huh. is that probably one of one of the four teams I just named will contend for a wild card to the last weekend. One of those uh-huh. four will get hot, and they will definitely be in it at the end. Uh-huh. And, but the problem is, you don't know which one, and getting close doesn't mean they'll win it. And if they win it, it doesn't. I mean, it's one game. Uh-huh. That, that they've earned. Right. So you still have, you ba- you still basically have three situations where the odds are either against them or a coin flip again uh, for them to uh, you know get somewhere significant. So uh, so acknowledging that one of these teams will uh, will do something interesting enough that your 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 reader who always sends you emails telling you when you were wrong can have enough fuel to send me an email mm-hmm. saying I was wrong. <clears throat> uh, acknowledging that. Uh, these teams should all be sellers, I think. I don't see it for the Red Sox yet. That division is so weak. I think they've got a lot of guys who have underperformed. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say sell for them. But uh-huh. but, but they is. Uh, I, I guess that's tough to argue with. It's just man, that must be must be the most frustrating feeling for a baseball person to experience having to just all the the intricate. <laughs> groundwork that Billy Bean laid this offseason just move after move after move to put this team together and then in certain ways the the results are telling him that he did a brilliant job and he should be vindicated and all of the people who didn't understand what he was doing should be uh, hanging their heads and hiding in the sand somewhere. Those aren't the right expressions. And and yet, uh, it looks like completely the opposite of that. It looks like he totally screwed up. And maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. It, the I, numbers yeah. are somewhat ambiguous, but somewhat. But basically, if his job is to get good players, and he looks at his players and they're playing well, then right, that's like that's kind of the end of his job. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, uh, yeah. So the, I mean, the fact that you could look at the A's uh, individual player performances. If you showed me the A's roster with all their stats and showed me almost any other team's roster and all their stats, you go, Billy Bean did it again. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it has to be frustrated to to be the GM in a sport that has wins and losses. <laughs> yeah. Like, it'd be a lot better if, if instead of... It'd be a lot better for him in this case and much, much worse for all of us uh, if we didn't 
cluster performances in little uh, little buckets and then declare a winner for each bucket mm-hmm. uh, based on the distribution of talent in that bucket. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of arbitrary. It's kind of like match play, right, in golf. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not actually the best way to figure out who's the best player or the best team. As weird as it is to say it, wins and losses don't do a great job of telling you who the best winner and loser is. Uh, but they're fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he's been a GM forever, and he's had plenty of disappointments, many more disappointments than... He gets to add this to his... <laughs> right. he's, now he's checked it off, the disappointment bingo card. Yeah, when he goes to sleep at night and he does his like Arya Stark recounting of everyone he uh-huh. wants to kill and uh-huh. every terrible baseball memory, he can add this to the list. Yeah. But I wouldn't... I wouldn't. It's even harder now that there are 10 playoff teams and you don't even have to be good to make the playoffs, and so it's like it's not like it used to be when you had to win 95 games a lot of the time to make the playoffs. Now you can just coast in there with high 80s or something. Seems like such an easy target for a team that has played so well in so many ways, and yet the odds are what they are. But I wouldn't put it past them to find a way to walk the line, kind of, like he did this winter, to, like, even if the A's were doing really well, he might still trade Ben Tobrist or Scott Casimir, right? I mean, he, I wouldn't put it past him to find some way to trade those guys with an eye toward the future and get something back that would fill a different hole in the short term, but... You know, whether it's, I don't know, shortstop who can actually play defense or something and isn't setting errors records, even though Marcus Semyon's advanced stats aren't all that bad. But something, some way that he could fill a hole right now and and manage to trade those guys at their peak value and still get something back for the future without totally killing the playoff run. So I wouldn't be totally shocked if he found a way to do that and deal those guys and get some kind of Brett Laurie type back who can contribute right now. So I, I sort of think that will happen where he'll kind of just keep keep his cards in the whatever, the hand. That's not a good expression either. But he'll, he won't totally fold, um, but he will do something. Keep his cards in the hand. <laughs> he'll stay in the hand. Stay in the hand. That's the one. You So really, you think that is what you think he will do. Not This is not what you think he... I think so, because that's what he's done for a while now. For the last year, at least, he hasn't done the total sell veterans for prospects trade. He's been one of the leaders of this movement toward sell veterans for some kind of prospects and some kind of other veterans or just guys who are already in the majors or ready for the majors, but... Yeah, have team control left, that sort of thing. So, so you're just saying that it'll be like it'll be more like the Samarja deal, yeah, than, than the uh, you know uh, Mark Mulder deal or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, pro- yeah, probably. I mean, that's the they're aren't they're kind of the equivalent of I jeez, I hope I'm remembering this right, but they're basically the equivalent of last year's Rays, right? Last year's Rays were in a very similar position. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe not other quite things, as extreme, I mean, but yeah. yeah, not as extreme, but they had a, a very good. Uh, they had uh, great underlying performances. Mm-hmm. They were way out of it. They owned a Ben Zobrist and other parts. 
Um, and they uh, traded David Price, but they didn't trade David Price for a package of prospects. And mm-hmm. uh, we commented on the time about that. So uh, a trade like that makes sense. But, I mean, you're not suggesting that, well, I guess, I don't know, when, when the Rays made that move, did we think that there was any benefit to what Drew Smiley was going to give them that year? Like, were we still thinking that they were staying in it just a little bit? I don't recall. No one no one expected Drew Smiley to do whatever he did, start throwing high in the strike zone and pitch like an ace in the second half, but it wasn't total white flag, I don't think. They were kind of long shots already, but it wasn't wasn't making them way longer shots it was it was longer but <laughs> but yeah but not not hardly at all like didn't like the playoff odds for them didn't really change the, this yeah is probably, i think that's right because we probably wrote about this yeah they're oh, right yeah. you probably did a piece of, after the deadline about odds changes because of trades or something they were arguably closer in that they were around 500 at the time Mm-hmm. Uh, they were also arguably further away in that they were uh, for more games out of first, and they didn't have the extremely good underlying statistics. Mm-hmm. So last year, when they traded David Price, the Rays were they they only lost one percent playoff odds. They were eleven percent to make the playoffs. So they were actually you know they were more like the Red Sox are right now mm-hmm. than like the A's are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, maybe they had, but they're also the Rays, and they, they're they're like the one team that trades more guys than Billy Bean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, anyway, probably no one trades more than Billy Bean, but they're up there. Yeah, so they went from eleven percent to ten percent. So that yeah, I mean, if you set that as a model for what the A's would do, I don't know if the Rays did that with an eye on perhaps making it to the playoffs, but I think that I remember thinking or writing, or saying, or someone said that that was one side benefit to the return. Is like, you know, look, if, if everything magically comes together, mm-hmm. they're not going to be, like, totally kicking themselves for having traded away their pitcher. Because mm-hmm. uh, they had, they did get things back. Alright, so I'm going to say that he trades both of those guys. Okay. And yet, their playoff odds, assuming that they don't fluctuate that much between now and July 31st or whenever it is, their playoff odds don't fall below 5% after the trades. I'm going to go ahead and say that they trade both those guys, but that it will not be what you're describing. I think that I think that they will give up this year. Okay. And, and try again next year? Definitely try again next year. Yeah. All right. You'd think that every now and then it would make sense to give up on a year and <laughs> really try next year because it's hard to keep doing the try now and try later and keep getting a good return okay so that's it for today we will be back soon you can send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com we've been accumulating them for a while now and you can join our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild rate review subscribe to the show on itunes and support our sponsor the play index at baseballreference.com use the coupon code bp and get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription.